You're listening to The C-Dub Show. Visit us on the Say Something Nice podcast network at ssnpodcast.com. Follow us at The C-Dub Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Acast. And now, on to our show. It is another episode of the C-Dub Show. We are recording this live on Sunday, November the 4th at 11 a.m. We didn't change our recording time, child, because school got me all jacked up and I can't be recording late no more. So we're recording this on a Sunday um, and we have a full house on the line with us today. So first we have, we're going to introduce Willis first because Courtney got stuff going on. Willis, are you on the line? Say hello to the people. What's up, people? <laughs> and we got Courtney, I think, on the line. Courtney, are you there? Ciao, oh, Courtney. Oh, oh, she had to go. Y'all, she had to go take care of some Caleb stuff. So she should hopefully be back <laughs> momentarily. I'm here. I'm just on, I'm here. I'm just on mute in the midst of this uh, break. Tantrum. Okay. Well, well, hello to you. He's still, and still going. It's still going? Oh, okay. And then we have my friend Lucy on the line. Lucy, please say hello to the people and introduce yourself. Hello, hello, everybody. I don't know what you want me to say besides, hey. <laughs> well, Lucy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where do you live at and what do you do out in the world? Oh, okay. Well, I can definitely do that. I am currently located in Louisville, Kentucky. Can you still hear me? I hear you now. Okay, great. I am currently located in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, what I do? Okay, the question should be, what don't, don't I do? do? I do something yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I run a business with my business partner, Bethany Kelly, which is the Phenomenal Enterprise. I'm currently starting a non-for-profit for young girls. Um, I'm a mover and a shaker trying to just change the world and make it better. 
Well, thank you for joining us. And I'm a terrible friend because I did. Did I know you were living in Kentucky? I, I don't. I live on this this terrible perception that you still live in Virginia or something. I don't know why I think that. No, I haven't lived in Virginia for several years. Um. See, I'm a terrible friend. I am one of those fake ass Facebook friends who just don't look at locations no more. You just out in the world, and that's fine. <laughs> that is deal. okay. All right, so this is a post Halloween edition. Um, I was going to say that we would talk about elections, but by the time you listeners listen to this show, elections will be over. So I'm not going to say that we hope you vote. I mean, we if you if it is your inclination to vote, then we hope you avail yourself of it. But we know that some folks are not of the inclination of voting, which is okay. You know, we know that voting is not the total way of is not the way to liberation. So. There's folks doing a whole lot of liberation work all over the world, and we just hope that we all doing what we can to get folks free out her. Okay, who's we gonna rename this show to the C Dub Nursery? Whose kid is that in the background now? Is that your your kids, B Willis? Uh, no, that was my sister making oh. noise. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Tell sister I apologize then. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So since this is our post Halloween edition. Let's get some check-ins on our favorite costumes that we saw for Halloween. What was you guys' favorite costume? Willa, start with you. Oh. <laughs> My favorite costume? Yes. Um. Uh, I don't know. I didn't see a lot of costumes on my timeline. I did, uh, yeah, that's what I'm kind of realizing. Like, I didn't see like a lot of mm-hmm. everyone Wakanda themselves to death. I see, but I oh, yeah, that. yes, uh, and I knew that was gonna happen. I mean, yeah, yeah we, I we knew that was coming. I saw a baby Mbaku that was cute, but like, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think that, um, uh, no. I mean, I, I mean, I was in a thread that had a bunch of costumes. I wasn't really paying attention to it, though, to be honest. I should have, but I wasn't. I saw a lot. You know, I didn't actually see. I mean, I saw people posting Black Panther um, pics, but I saw a lot of when I was out trick-or-treating, you know, looking for single mamas and single aunties. I saw uh-huh. a lot of, <laughs> I saw like five Princess Tiana's because my niece was a Princess Tiana. So, of course, every time they saw each other, I printed Tiana too. So I saw no. that. Yeah. I um, feel like I saw a lot of just like traditional scary, like I'm a zombie. Uh, one of my friends, her son, he dressed up as Frankenstein. Um, her daughter was a witch. It was like kind of like regular. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, nothing too unique costume. that was out there. Yeah, oh, like it wasn't. I didn't. Uh, so strangely enough, it wasn't. We weren't like you know, inundated with a bunch of, you know, inappropriate, uh, it seems to the, the, the desire for white folks to just want to do blackface all the time, it seems has died down a little bit because mm-hmm. I guess nobody like really wants to go into the fourth quarter losing their job because they just had to <laughs> be Kanye and had to be in blackface. Like maybe, maybe people are really just starting to like, just, just, just chill on that shit. But you know, white folks just, just wait for it. Well, you know, it's always the, the calm before the storm. Well, and we're going to get to blackface in just a moment. So you hold on to that thought. Uh, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite costume was actually from a group. There were a group of young men who decided that they were going to be um, 
my favorite group, my favorite gospel group, they decided that they were going to be the Dynamic Clark Sisters. Just just hold on one minute because we have to. Oh, I did see that. We have to listen to this. Oh, yeah. Wait, hold on. Hi, I'm Karen. I'm Dorinda. I'm Jack. I'm Sweetie. <laughs> and we're the Clark Sisters. Join us tonight on our Halloween gospel tour to tell the dying world that Jesus lives. What? The sky, the sky is the limit to what I can have. Thank you. See you there. Kids, they are so who, especially the one that do Karen is just so spot on because them is definitely her hand movement. I was very even though I, I hashtag it drag for Jesus. I don't know necessarily that these young men are drag performers, but that was one hell of a drag show. They need an actual. They need to turn that into a, a like a a Facebook web series or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that was my favorite. But back to. Courtney's comment about blackface. Of course, it would not be Halloween if we weren't having conversations with white people about why not to go in blackface. And this year, the conversation started with Megan Kelly, who was mm. talking about, I can't remember if she was talking about a specific instant of blackface or they were just having a general conversation. And she made the no, comment. She, go ahead. Her almost being 50 fucking years old is like, Back when I was growing up in uh, Bumblefuck, <laughs> Illinois, somewhere, it it wasn't inappropriate <laughs> to dress in blackface as long as you were a she kid. Said that? Yeah, she yeah. said it. As long as it wasn't a disrespectful costume or something well, like that. Yeah, she made me into backlash. She knew when she was younger, dressed up like Diana Ross, and they wore blackface. She's like, if I'm like, you know, trying to pay homage to Diana Ross. She's not my complexion. Why can't I darken my face? You know, but I thought somebody was on the show in blackface and she like, no, nah. approved it of no, some she, BS like that. Oh, she was like, I don't understand. And, and you know, I it's like, you know, then her all white panel was like, <laughs> yes, we don't understand either. Sometimes we'd like to be black people, so we go. <laughs> how else, a whole they say, how of else can girl. we pay homage to them? I mean, it's, it's showing how beautiful they are and that we want to be just like them. What? So, but, but then it's like, it's like when you were growing up almost 50 years ago, you and what all the other white people in your town decided that it wasn't like offensive. Like, who did you run by with that to decide it wasn't offensive? And, and also knowing like, Megan Kelly. White areas act like they've, they've, they've ran this through every black person and it's like they never got any negative feedback for it like and it's in knowing know megan kelly people. i don't know her i'm and i'm not gonna waste my time looking up where she is from but she probably from some backwater town in louisiana mississippi like, somewhere, somewhere no, where they like they don't know what yeah they they do racist shit like but i don't know i didn't know it yeah you did but no she's from somewhere you know like how especially like in the midwest Mm-hmm. towns especially back still now but especially back then when she was growing up are very segregated so even if they did have black people that lived in her town they wasn't living next door to her they right. were nowhere near her they, they were living on the other side of town and the only was, time you saw them was when you went to school already in right. the fucking black face right so you didn't see black people and white people did not engage like that in the midwest um my grandmother grew up in a very segregated town. She's obviously in her mid-80s, but she and my great-aunts and great-uncles were the only Black family in town. 
like that in that area of wherever they were in town. So it's not stop asking like, oh, we've ran this by black folks and they're fine. And then now everyone born from 1974 on is just so sensitive. Well, we also need to talk, though, about because I saw another interesting picture. I think I posted it yesterday where these students decided that they were going to be the cast of Scooby-Doo and that the one uh, black girl was Scooby-Doo. This motherfucking shit. I, and we figured out, I bet you anything that them kids told her, well, you're the only one that's brown and Scooby-Doo is brown. So you'll be Scooby-Doo. Wait, bitch, what? But that's the kind of shit that our, our kids are are living through and internalizing in these schools where they are like the only black kid in the class or the only black kid in the school or the only black kid in the neighborhood. And they don't, they really, I see it a lot with our kids, even though we don't have a lot of white kids. I see it a lot between our black and Latino kids. A lot of black kids do not know how to push that that racist shit off of them. They just kind of hold it and that's their place in the group and they're okay with it. Because they want to be accepted. They want yeah. to feel the normalization of being a part of that group. So they just go with it. Um, it's it, I find that to be very interesting, especially... You know, I grew up in a school, it was really multicultural in my high school. Like, I didn't go to the all-black school. It was some of everybody there. And I was the only black girl in a Hispanic heritage program. But I didn't have to change my blackness to be a part of their program. Mm -hmm. Like, I understood that I was black and I wasn't trying to be Latina. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't need to be Latina for you to accept me. And I think that's, that's what we're missing now with these young black kids in these groups that don't look like them. But yeah. I also feel like it's 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 like a weird phenomenon in the Bay Area because I feel like there's very much an over and undercurrent of anti-blackness here, especially towards um, black girls mm-hmm. and black women. And then there's also this like fetishization of like black men and interracial relationships and then like mixed children so I feel like because she's a young now she wasn't out here but I feel like black women kind of get bombarded with this need of to acceptance because it's like you're rejected by your white everybody male and female Mm -hmm. and then you're rejected by black men from a very early age and I feel like that afflicts uh, black girls and black women in a far different way like I, I just don't see black men and black boys like kind of um, trying to gain this level of acceptance with non-black peers like that. Yeah, you don't. And it's interesting to see see you don't see them. You don't see them trying to gain acceptance, but you do see them playing into a lot of stereotypes and tropes for the acceptance. So, you know, they'll be, you know, the dumb jock football player or they'll, you know, they'll be the the thug in the classroom because that's what the girl, you know, the non-black girls want. They'll they'll play. They're more playing up the stereotypes where the black girls are trying to prove that they are not the stereotypes in very traumatic mm-hmm. ways. It's it's really really weird. And you know, you uh, one of our parents came and she was talking about how um, all the things she was saying was things that you normally hear black girls say about trying to navigate white culture about saying trying to straighten their hair and trying to make sure you learn spanish not because you need to be bilingual but because you want to be you want to be part of the culture it's weird because a lot of these people have taken on black culture and here we are trying to gain acceptance in their culture while they take from our culture it's a hella weird dynamic that i can't understand 
So, well, there's one thing that, and I'm so, I'm going to tell the listeners right now, I had a, I've had a long weekend. We going into the, the second quarter of school. Kids is wilding out, which we going to get to in a little bit on the show about kids <laughs> wilding out. So a lot of this show is disheveled. A lot of this show is that we didn't even have no real rundown today. I'm just kind of throwing stuff out there and letting people talk. And including the fact that I want to play this one clip at the beginning of the show because it inspired me when I couldn't get up out the bed this morning to record the show. And I needed some encouragement. But I'm going to still go ahead and play it now because it might bless somebody's spirit. So just hold on. This is, this is to encourage you. Okay. Maybe it's not going to encourage you. Just wait. Hold on. <laughs> wait. Hold on. Because I want y'all to be, be encouraged. Hold on. Willie Mo Jr. here. Bruh, last night was so lit. Let me tell you why. So your boy went to the Ricky Smiley For Real premiere and I was the host of the Q&A. Come on, put your hands together. Flat out. So I walk in a little late. I had to take my son to basketball practice. Flat out. So as soon as I walk in, they rush me straight to the red cart. Now by far, I got to clean this little jacket that's so tight that I can't breathe. If I sneeze, a button gonna fall off. You hear me? Flat out. Soon as I walk on the carpet, Ricky Smiley walking on the cart. Now me and Ricky, we done had many in but it's good to see them over and over again because I believe that you are the company that you keep. Flat out. I go in and all of a sudden something hit me. In my Sha-na-na. Sha-na-na say Willie. I say huh? Sha-na-na say remember? I say Sha-na-na remember what? Sha-na-na say remember five years ago when you were invited to Ricky Smiley's other television show premiere? I say hmm. So I went back to YouTube and realized that my first engagement when I moved to Atlanta was Ricky Smiley show. And I spoke out of my mouth that if I am in the building hanging out with these guys, it won't be long before I'm on the platform that they're on. So I'm in Atlanta and I get invited to the Ricky Smiley premiere of his new show. Awesome show, Ricky. I'm in there with all the people that be on TV. You know it ain't gonna take your boy long to get on TV right with him if I'm out here hanging out with him. Oh, five years later. Your nephew traveling all around the world, inspiring people on stages, speaking, preaching, and empowering people. Now, I have my own syndicated radio show, touching 1.7 million people weekly on the Willie Mo Jr. show. I've actually made guest appearances on Ricky Smiley For Real, and I had a show on BET. Now, don't start asking me for no money. The little BET show got canceled and that little money gone. Flat out. And of course, I'm not trying to impress you, but I am trying to impress a point up on you. I want you to understand the first time that I I went to Ricky Smiley's event, I had nothing, zero money in my account. I was living in a 700 square foot apartment with nothing but a dream, a vision, and a goal. Yesterday, I had to hold back tears, realizing now in the earth we have influence. Not because I'm so great, not because I'm so phenomenal, but I do take God at his word, and he said if I speak to the mountain, then the mountain will be moved. Guess what? The mountain moved. So today, I just want to tell you in this brief moment, quit telling everybody how big your mountain is and start telling them how big your God is. I had no idea that Ricky Smiley and I would be associates one day. I had no idea that I would have a syndicated radio show because that wasn't even on my radar. But it's something about speaking those things that are not as though they were, it opens up heaven and God begins to move. Listen, I don't know your metaphysical orientation and what you believe. All I'm saying is this. I got in the Bible at the lowest time of my life. Instead of using it as a history lesson, I took it as a roadmap to life. I literally took those principles and applied them.
them to my life. Now your boy doing all right, rubbing elbows with influence. And because God is no respected person, I believe that he can do the same for you. Maybe it's not your desire to hang around influencers and be an influencer across the world. Your goals, dreams, and aspirations are your goals, dreams, and aspirations. Instead of sitting there speaking about your situation on how it is, I want you to start speaking out your mouth on how you would like it to be. I want you to know something. I believe in you. Before I make these videos, I pray that it will land on the hearts of God's people who are struggling with the potential that he put on the inside of them. Bruh, life gonna beat you up, but God got some boxing gloves, and he's giving you the liberty and the power to fight with his word. My challenge to you is to get up, dust yourself off, and start speaking out of your mouth what you want. Remember, speak those things that are not as though they were. Watch it come to pass. Flat out. So that was my inspirational word of the day because I needed some inspiration to get up. And I know that everybody that is on this show is trying to move and shake and be influencers in this world. And sometimes your ass get tired and you forget why you are doing the stuff that you are doing. And you are forgetting the mountains that have already been moved. And I can't even talk about no Courtney said, can you talk about what you were feeling this week? Unfortunately, I cannot. The disclosure form says I cannot. But I can tell you that in April that you will see something great. And I'm looking forward to it. That's the other reason why I'm tired. So, yes. Oh, I thought she was talking to me. No, she's Congratulations in advance. Well, thank you so much, Lucy. Oh, I missed you too. Okay. <laughs> On to our next subject. And we don't have to talk about this. I was Once again, I was going to play this for the blackface conversation. But instead, I'm just going to play this first clip and just get y'all hot take reaction to this thing that happened that is hilariously petty to me. Hold on. Rapper 50 Cent continued his longstanding feud with Ja Rule by buying 200 front row <laughs> tickets to his recent concert so they would all be empty. <laughs> it's, it's just great. Ironically, 200 tickets to a Ja Rule concert cost exactly 50 cents. <laughs> So we talk a lot about how we let we let 50 Cent be petty and we don't give other people that opportunity to be petty. But I'm sorry, that is epic level hilarious petty to me. What did y'all think? So listen, I thought it was petty, most definitely. But what I thought would have been even better is if he had did it and not said anything until after the concert in the season. <laughs> now you give him an opportunity to kind of like move and shake around your patty. You should have saw it all the way through. Right. He should have he should have just like let them show up in just 200 seats just empty and then after the show be like, uh-huh, then was my seat. You're right. That would have been like the icing on the cake. But we that know 50 Cent, he don't think that far. He he don't think that far. So um, that combined with the whole thing with Ashanti uh, getting her show canceled at that school, that was just... Why, why? Wait, so I know Ashanti got the school, uh, the <laughs> show canceled at the school and mm -hmm. all of that. I heard it was last. Um, she's living her best life on Instagram anyway, so she'll be all right. Um, <laughs> but what, 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 what's going on with people saying like Fifty Cent is like actually in love with Ashanti? What's going Wait, what? On with that? I ain't people heard that. He's people are saying like he still has the beef going on with Fifty Cent because he's actually was or currently in love with Ashanti and you know John Ashanti supposedly allegedly had you know some stuff going on according to a uh, Corinne Stephens book so 50 is still <laughs> of course Courtney so has all of these details right I you know yes please tell us all about the Corinne Stephens book 
<laughs> yes, I, I, you know, it was terrible and uh, readable <laughs> at the same time. But um, I, I just like to cite my sources. That's all I'm saying. So basically, according to Corinne Stephens, uh, she was laid up with Ja Rule, or uh, not Ja Rule. Oh, yeah, no, she, yes, she was laid with Ja Rule one night. They had just had some ecstasy of uh, fueled sex and then a phone. Ja Rule used to love him some fucking ecstasy. Right. So, um, they he he turns over and she says, I could tell by the way he answered the phone and how he was speaking that it was R&B songstress Ashanti. And you could tell she was looking for him. And it sounded like he was explaining his whereabouts to his lover. So she basically said that. So it's been implied, you know, anyway, that they was messing around. She quote unquote confirmed it. Now there's all these rumors circulating in like 50s actually in love with Ashanti. And this is like where they're being actually stems from because Ashanti would not leave Ja Rule to be with 50 Cent and he was like come here girl you know I'll put you in the finest rhinestone G unit halter tops (laughs) (laughs) Courtney making that part up you don't know I'm making it up so there's that ever since I saw that picture of Courtney with Lil Fizz in a G unit halter top Oh, what a G unit! First of all, it was it was it was DK and Y. Don't even. <laughs> I can't say nothing because if I do, even. somebody gonna bring up all the pictures of me in the two thousands with celebrities, and I don't want that. So go ahead. But Fifty Cent Ja Rule beef happened before Shanti came on the scene. So this was this behind the scenes or something? This was like behind. She was like you know still up and coming, but. It was like she was already kind of like around uh, the Murray family. Um, apparently, she had crossed paths with Fifty at some point, and then she signed with Murder. Obviously, they were well into. She stopped associating with Fifty, and he just feels like you know that was like his his lost love is Ashanti. Yeah, yeah seriously, like get over like it. She's, she, but I mean, but like, look if it. Do you think Fifty would ever like a man who clearly probably doesn't get turned down as often enough as he should? You think, <laughs> and it's it's like you think he's gonna let that go? Like a nigga I already don't like intercepted a bitch that I did. Oh no 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 no. Well, and we it's I mean over that. Well, side note, I mean, if he don't, if he's pining over Shanti, have y'all have y'all ever seen them videos of the lady who does the little songs about the, the um astrological signs, like she playing the keyboard? And he's like, oh yes. yes. So I follow her on Instagram. He looked like a Shanti. Yeah, wait, so let me let me let me finish. So I follow her on Instagram, and she is obsessed with Fifty Cent. She posts about him like they are really together. And I don't, it's really weird. Like it's gotten to the point where people are in her comments, like, girl, you need to get some help. Um, it's it's really weird. Like she will post. He's not playing? No, she's not. She, she is like really, like she, she has like one picture of him that they look like they took together like five years ago. And then like everywhere she goes, she's like, um, babe with babe at Starbucks. No, you're not. Or like, thanks, babe, for my Uber. Now I understand when you living in LA, you could be really dating somebody, and they don't, they on the low. That's not the case. <laughs> That's not the case. So yeah. Um. Also on the subject of post Halloween, Willis's favorite, Beyonce, paid tribute to Tony Braxton by creating the fame cover of her 1993 self-titled album. It was awesome. 
it was amazing. I have posted it on the C-Dub show um, uh, page if you have not seen it. Um, she calls herself Phony Braxton instead of Tony, which is awesome as well. But even Tony Braxton herself said, how you look better than me on my own album cover. So. Right. <laughs> right. It was, I mean, it's I, spot on. Spot fucking on. And I love that, like, she is Beyonce and will still downplay herself and call herself Phony Braxton. Like, right. the fact that you can laugh at yourself in that way and be as big as you are. Like, yeah, fist bump to you. <laughs> like, and, and it wasn't until I queued up for the show to play um, Tony Braxton's Another Sad Love Song, which is the, the album cover that she um, recreated. I forgot, you know, I watched the, Jack, the Braxton Family Values and it has completely distorted my memories. I mean, I still love Tony Braxton, but I just forgot how back in 93, like, Tony Braxton was the fucking shit, dude. Like, mm-hmm. And she was always naked. She always had on a dress yes. that showed everything. <laughs> yes. And when her and Halle Berry had them short haircuts. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, but I guess apparently Chris Jenner forgot that she was a shit, too, because she think that uh, Beyonce was trying to be her. Ooh. I really feel like that wasn't real. You don't think that was real? Has anybody no. researched it? I don't know. I hope that wasn't real. I hope it wasn't real either, because that is one hell of an assumption. That, especially considering, uh, uh, well, depending on the pictures that you saw, there were some I think that didn't have the phony Braxton on there. Um, but then there were some. Most of them did. I hope that that wasn't real, because that would be one but, hell of an Chris assumption. Jenner was, Chris Jenner was dappling it around enough black people to have known, <laughs> like. She was dabbling with OJ Simpson and he ain't black, remember? He's not black. But she, you know, like, but, but like she has like this weird connection to like RB, like fucking what's his name? Babyface comes and plays at their fucking Christmas party every year. Really? Like, yes. Cause oh, so like Robert Wait, Harris, what? She, That's a very random fact. Right. <laughs> Like, I swear to God, he comes. Like, you know, I've watched oh, all the seasons of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. You're oh, not going to judge me for it today. I was about we'll to. I sure was. I sure was. I was about to ask you why. I, that was my question of why. We'll talk about that later. So, but at this time, I've seen now like 17 <laughs> different versions of their Christmas party. And like every year, it's just like Babyface is coming to play the piano and serenade us. And he also shows up for like other shit to like sing happy birthday to bitches. So like, they're cool with like <laughs> old school R&B oh, legends. And I think it's That's the LA in them. That, and I also think it's because Robert oh, Kardashian had a music company. I don't know if he was like doing entertainment law on the side or if he had like a music record company. I can't remember the specifics, but Robert Kardashian dealt with music on some level. So they know all the black artists. So like she know that was Tony Braxton. That bitch know what time it is. She was she was kicking it with black folks and, and Can I say this off of that subject? And can we, you know, we we've had this situation with the C dub after dark show, which is only lightweight happening. We probably need to do a second one. Um, can mm. we commit to the C-Dub Trash TV episode where we just talk about the trash TV that we like to watch? Oh, that yes. would make my life so great. Yes, Lucy, you are I don't watch trash TV. You a lie. <laughs> you don't watch. It lies. I don't. What's you trash TV? Trash TV is what Black Ink Crew, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Anything Mona Scott is yeah. love and hip hop. <laughs> um, I will even I put all the Bravo shows. I, you know what? I include the Bravo shows, and I'm obsessed with Married to Medicine, Real Housewives of Atlanta, Real Housewives of the Potomac. 
um, Brax and Family Values. Just, tra- you know, trash reality TV. Yeah, I don't watch any of them. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay, so we so then what we gonna do but then for you is this. About, if y'all wanna talk about like um Donna's drivings and dives or like you know home improvement shows that I might run across on a Saturday morning when I'm bored, or like oh if y'all wanna talk about queer eye, definitely, but I don't watch those other ones. I haven't watched them since college. They brought queer eye back? Oh, God, yeah. oh yeah, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Oh, okay. Well, that's what we, yes, yes, people, we are going to do the trash TV episode and we just going to make Willis sit through it. And then the episode after that, we're going to do the full This Is Us uh, recap because that's what me and Willis watching. We need to, we need to discuss Randall. We need to discuss Randall. When that season is over, we are going to discuss Randall. Oh my God, folks were so mad at me. But I don't it's fine, though. Well, they was mad at me because I said he's getting on my nerves, not not being settled into his blackness. And oh. they're like, oh, he grew up with white people. Oh, this, that. And the fourth and I'm like, uh, uh-uh, he's 38 years old. Right. He should be. He should. If he's if he's not settled into his, he's 38 years old. He's married to a black woman, has black children, reconnected with his black daddy. Doing and all he this went black to stuff, Howard, didn't apartment he? in a black community. He went to Howard. People saying that that might be true, but I think that was a red herring. He went. To, he went to a black ass school, and he's thirty eight years old. If he's not settled into his blackness, he should be in therapy talking about that. Yeah, but then, right. and the way he, I will he say this about myself people. though. Yeah, I will say this about myself though. I don't really have when it comes to adults. I don't have patience like with their bullshit. So like. If you're not in therapy and you know something wrong with you and you're not doing nothing to fix it, I don't have patience for it. And Randall does know that he struggles with that because he's constantly going to the black women characters in that show to, to get something him. fixed. Yep, it's annoying. It's annoying. I can't. I can't take it. And the thing that that I'm trying, I'm concerned with, and I always, I take B. Willis at what she said as far as you know how many black writers that they have in the writers' room when they did this last episode. So the episode before last. He was wise explaining to the black community all the things that were wrong with his with their community and why he was the one that needed to come fix it. Um, and then he politely got shut down when he tried to go to church, you know, because that's what you do. You go to church. But he didn't know that the councilman that he running against is the deacon of the church. So this episode, <laughs> this, this uh, week's episode, he decides that since he cannot make headway with the black community, instead of reconnecting with his blackness and trying to settle like Brittany would say settle into it he decides he's going to go start pandering to the Korean community because his white brother is on a TV show that is the number one show in Korea mm. so he goes to pander to the Korean community and then he gets this young man from the Korean community to be his campaign manager and he believes that that's about to fix I mean I'm already struggling to understand how he doesn't live in the community at all and he's running for city council in that district, so you still talking about this is us, right? Yeah, yeah. When did he talk to the Korean person? That's the uh, this this week's episode. He goes to the Korean market. Oh, I yeah. didn't see it. I'm oh, sorry, okay. I'm I didn't sorry. see that. Yeah, he goes to the Korean market no, and watch. and like talks to them and blah blah. And then they kind of call the boy calls him out like you just thought you'd bring your your brother because ah! he's the number one in Korea. It's just it's really messy, and I just keep holding out hope. That these two black writers is gonna hold. Also, they going into the black superwoman syndrome with Beth. I just keep holding out hope that they holding their own in this writers' room because otherwise, this can turn out really bad. 
So that was a, an interesting segue um, into <laughs> the next conversation about Jermaine Dupree. This is your conversation, uh, uh, Courtney. So last I week or week before that, out. let me introduce it first. Jesus. Oh, Jeez. I thought that was like my cute. <laughs> Jiminy Cricket. You did say you did say her name, like. Oh, that's because I want to make sure that in. she wasn't over there, like fussing with Caleb that she was on the ready. But no, Caleb um, was able to resume. I'm going to go play because he's he calmed down. So I, and I walked away. So I like, one day we're gonna put together an outtake episode chronicling Caleb's growth from when we first started, when all he could do is yell. To now having fully formed, <laughs> I don't want to do that. We're gonna have, we'll get together. So with more words. yelling, more right. yelling, just more words. <laughs> with more words. So a couple of weeks ago, it was announced that Rihanna and Cardi B were shunning the Super Bowl by refusing to perform at in the Super Bowl halftime show, and there was a lot of conversation about that around whether that was their privilege, yada yada yada. Um, unfortunately, it took for who was the white performer who. Basically, was that oh white feminist that we can't stand? What's her name? White feminist actor comedian lady Amy Schumer. Uh, Amy, Amy Schumer, who gave the best quotable as to why this was not necessarily privilege on their on their behalf. Um, it's what they have to give. That's what they have to give. The movement is is to basically not give them the opportunity to make those revenue dollars. Hey, I understand that. Um, behind that you had Jermaine Dupree who had decided to blast those superstars and declare that boycotting does not do anything, that we should instead get on their platform and make them listen to us. Take it away, Courtney. How many, to- how many times have we heard this? How many times have we heard somebody black so, do this? But I'm I'm sorry. So it's like, it's going to go up. Get up on the mic, Courtney. To Atlanta. Oh. He's gonna he he's gonna get up there and and uh say like what like what are you gonna perform? Like, <laughs> what, I mean But I here's my hear, thing I though, don't like, wanna hear welcome to Atlanta in twenty twenty nineteen. I'm gonna tell you that right. He, he gonna now. perform that and money ain't a thing. <laughs> Without Jay Z, because Jay Z's not coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is Jermaine Dupree gonna be doing? Like, what is he? What well, is he I don't doing? even know. He's not even doing this halftime show. Apparently, they approach so him about doing parties or something. So it says Dupree what? recently agreed to partner with the NFL as the producer of several shows ahead of uh Super Bowl. Is that fifty one, fifty three, something like or, that? What, no, what fifty was here in, in SF a couple of years ago. So this must be like fifty three so or something. Fifty three. Okay, yeah. The week-long concert series is scheduled to take place in the days leading up to the championship game on February 3rd, 2019. So he's the NFL. Be, we can't get a big star for one day. We're going to get some minimal stars for seven days. Right. right. So it's like you're going to be pulling like what? You're going to be pulling random. And it's like in Indianapolis, isn't it? No, it's in Atlanta. You're going to be. It's in Atlanta. It's in Atlanta. Oh, it's in Atlanta. I thought it was in Indianapolis this year. Mm-hmm. It's in Atlanta. That's this why. Year. That's why they were so. So excited to get Jermaine Dupree. He's the mayor of Atlanta. Welcome to Atlanta. Is he? Who said that? Well, you know, that's he always was, the thing. He, okay, so you're going to get a bunch of nobodies from Atlanta. Because everybody in Atlanta want to be somebody. So they're going to get like, oh, who who on uh, Love and Hip Hop Atlanta still ain't got their break yet? All of them. Um, <laughs> Tommy might be performing if she's not, uh, you know, in police custody. Um, who I else can't. 
I can't think of hmm. I can't think of nobody else. The rest of them is is too busy having babies and sleeping around. They'll get what's the face that got the lesbian girlfriend now. They'll they'll do a party somewhere and you know Bow Wow will show up if you you know get some girls right. If you promise him that you can get him a girl that's not gonna get stole by Young M A, then he'll be there. Don't do that. (laughs) Y'all gonna have to leave Bow Wow alone because he's having a really rough year. I've been having the same rough year for the last 10 years. Because I think, I think, I was like, Bow Wow was probably already a fuck real life. Because you could just tell, like, most short men. Hey, 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 I'm short. What? Short men? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm short. I'm shorter than you. So, like, short people can just have but he's already a short man. He's cute, so he probably already face because he was cute. And then you know his mama he spoiled him well into his thirties. So he he just had the makings of boy. Then he got and then you are cutting in and out, Courtney. Hi. Get up on Hi. the mic. There you go. So yeah, he he's his his maturity never flowed in like it was supposed to. That's why he has. The type of situations where it's like young M.A. is stealing your girlfriend from you. But then also your baby's mother is having a baby with a woman that or a man that one of your other exes had a baby with. So it's like oh. he just has like a lot. Of- <laughs> is he still living in the basement? Is he still living in the basement? The basement of like that mansion, and it's like he had that stripper pole, and it's like, what's going? What is this a sex dungeon, or are you at R. Kelly's? Like, what's happening? I'm not sure. I'm not clear. <laughs> Courtney what's still trying to save them women that was in. Burglars let them out. <laughs> but it's like, what do you look like? like come through to steal a Monet and you see a woman chained to the wall. Like, you gotta set her free. <laughs> first of all, R. Kelly ain't got no damn Monet. Let's say that first of all. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wait, so it's interesting that they would ask Jermaine Dupree, and I guess because T.I. is too mouthy on in social media that they would not ask him. I would think he would nah, because I guess they would assume that Jermaine Dupree can get more quote-unquote mainstream or commercial artist to come down to Atlanta. I don't really know. Who? Who? Well, but you, you know, he could... Ex- also talk about how his real middle name is Dupree? That's just also really like... That sounded about right, just, though. But that's like, that's not a stage name? Like someone, your parents yeah. gave that to you? Oh, okay. That sounds about okay. right. Okay. I mean... Okay, that's fine. It sounds like, I mean, we got to remember this is still the kid who was 10 years old on the Fresh Fest tour, so how old he was. At least he became something, okay? Like, that's why I'm, I'm you know, it's okay that Sierra baby name is Future, because it's Sierra, and, you know, he ain't no regular. I, like, I actually like Baby Future's name. Oh, that's his real name? Yeah, no, his, his <laughs> name is Baby yes. Future. Like, he's Future. Like, Future's real name is, like, Nadarius. Um, so, wait, you yeah, named no, your baby after your baby daddy's stage name? Absolutely. Yes. That's exactly what's a Now, nah, but thank God that Sierra was delivered. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Okay? Amen. Because, <laughs> you know, you do things in the time of your life where, where the devil got a hold of you. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
once you go to that altar and talk and, to Jesus, and talk to Jesus, you are delivered. Jesus will and work it out. Shanda, na 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 na. Amen. I think they. I would have just been petty and like renamed him Russell Jr. Oh, I can't. Child, everybody, you know, and Future's little fuckboy cronies would have just been at her house with pitchforks. Like, oh my God. I would have just like, I would have like released that to TMZ on April 1st as like a joke. A joke. And just. And let it go. And just like would have, yeah, just like would have like been off Twitter for the day, and just would have like let like the whole tech community just, just, just go on vacation where nobody can contact you. They can't find you. They can't take a picture of you. You were just out of the picture. Just hold up. Interesting. Okay, see, I'm trolly like that at, in my old age. I'm starting like I, I kind of slipped out of like being a troll, but it's kind of returning when you can just like. You got to get it out of your system sometimes. You just got to be like an elite level troll for like the day. And then- well, I think, you know, I did think Courtney, also- Did Courtney she- say she just got like this in her old age? Yeah. That- yeah. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. First of all, no, you trolled no. the whole- Let's just put- I want to put this live on record. You trolled the whole show last week talking about Vampire Brooklyn wasn't your favorite movie. When I got oh, the receipts- no. <laughs> the I don't think Eddie Murphy is silly. You like, said it. Did Kayla type it? Okay, she did. I would have never said you that. You want to blame something on your two-year-old child now? That's, that's crazy. Three. That's, okay, three. Three, it don't matter. I'm telling y'all, like, I recall seeing the movie, but it's not like, oh, that's my favorite movie. Because it wouldn't be. Well, what you possess like Angela Bassett in the movie when you type that message? Possibly. Oh, maybe the. Yeah, I forgot Angela Bassett was in there. She she became such a great actress. I forgot she was in something so stupid. Oh yeah. She needed to have her. I don't. I'm like I wouldn't have said that. Like, what was I thinking to have typed that? Like maybe vampire. Was I thinking of an interview with a vampire? No, you probably just said it because it was black. That's the only reason. I don't. But like my favorite black horror movie, obviously, is Beauty Shop. So I don't know why. Uh, you fine. Goodbye. Goodbye. Beauty Shop. I can't. Goodbye. It's clearly that You're annoying. Goodbye. 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 You're annoying. Goodbye. Goodbye. You're annoying. All right. So uh, our last. What was that? Oh, Willis over there cooking fried chicken and didn't yeah, invite I'm nobody. Cooking. Yes, girl. This chicken smelled good too. I wish I was here. I'll give you all a little bit of peace. But y'all not, so. So our last item on the agenda today, there was, there is a video currently circulating, um, a video of a young man and a teacher getting Mm -hmm. into a big blown up fight. And, Mm -hmm. um, before we have this conversation, I want to play the full unedited that I know of video of what happened on that day at, it's at Maywood Academy in Maywood, California, which is down in Southern California. See, that's where it went. That's where it went left. He throws the ball at the teacher and then starts squaring up on him. 
And his friend is videotaping to show him, you know, disrespecting the teacher. And then. Hey, if we're gonna take him. Oh, he said cut straight up. Yeah. And then it happens. Okay, so we don't need to listen to the whole rest. Uh, chaos ensues as the teacher and the student engage in a whole SmackDown fight in the middle of the band class. Um, okay, wait. Um, so, Carolyn, can you explain that? Because I didn't see the video and I really don't understand what happened. So, basically what happened is, and this is also give the backstory of what's apparently occurred. I was told at some point that the teacher had been jumped by students before. I, don't, I haven't confirmed or denied that. But basically, the, at the the beginning of the film or the beginning of the movie, the student runs up on the teacher, starts calling in the N-word repeatedly, saying that people told him that he said he was going to beat his ass. Um, run, And then, you know, as folks say when they're trying to fight, run up on me, nigga, da 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 The teacher is telling him, you need to go to the office. You need to go to the office. You better go. You better go. And he keeps telling him, what you going to do, nigga? What you going to do? And the teacher keeps telling him, you need to go. You need to go. You need to go. And the student keeps, he no, the student throws a basketball and hits the teacher and then tells him, what you going to do, nigga, what you going to do? And keeps saying, and the teacher keeps saying, you need to go, you need to leave, you need to go. And then the student keeps going, and then finally the teacher just pops him and continues to pop him and gets him in a headlock and continues to pop him. And then oh, the pops teacher him hits again. him first? He, yeah, the, he, he, he swung first. Yeah, he swung first. Oh, okay. The student hit him with the ball first, and the, the teacher finally swung on him. And then the student felt, falls down, and then he gets back up, and then he continues to hit the student. And then someone pulls the student out. And I think at some point, some other students try to jump in, but then they kind of got off of him. So that's what occurred. So the big conversation has been about... I think, I think that for me, the big conversation has been the disconnect when people are talking about what's right versus what teachers across the U.S. are taking in regards to discipline with students with lack of support. You know, you're sending kids out on referrals or what have you. They're coming back five minutes later because the administration don't want them in office and all those good things. This particular class, I mean, I know my biggest class is 36 and I don't even have hardly enough room in my class for 36 students. This is a band class. Band classes are gen traditionally larger because they're a band. So there, it looks like it's about 50 kids in the classroom. Um, and I think the big disconnect is, no, he's not right. 
But at the same time, we're in a situation where a lot of students, especially non-Black Latino students, feel that they don't have to respect Black teachers. And that and that their parents and administration will let them get off with what they are doing. I told somebody earlier, I said that one of the big problems that you guys are teaching Latino students that they don't have to respect black people, but you expect them to understand that when they come to school, they're supposed to respect a black teacher because they're a teacher. And that's not how it works. Uh, were both the teacher and the student black? No, the student no. Is, is Latino. Really? And the teacher is black? The teacher is yes. black. Yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot to, to add that in. Yes. He's yeah. An older, an older black, black man. Like probably in, in his. Looks like uh, in his 50s, maybe late yeah, 40s. Yeah, he has to be in his 50s. Because he still has some little swing in him, I see. Yeah, he, he had a lot <laughs> of swing because he popped the book. And that's why, and in talking to parents, I said, clearly, I said, we, we have this idea that teachers are supposed to ke- always keep calm. Teachers are supposed to have been taught to keep their cool. Yes, teachers are taught to manage spaces. Yes, we are taught to modify behavior. But at the same time, we have a lot of students who are just disrespectful at school. And parents don't believe that their students are being disrespectful at school. No, 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 no. They believe it. They just don't do anything about it. Yeah, And then they defend the, the behavior when you approach them about it. And it's like... It used to be a point like if you said something about your child's behavior, the parent would have been all up in that child's behind. But now we're in the space where if you say anything about a child's behavior, it's not my. What did you do to my child? Mm-hmm. They don't want to take ownership of the behavior that is in this classroom. And yes, they teach teachers behavior, quote unquote, modification. But you don't teach. They don't teach you how to deal with prison behavior. Right. <laughs> And and also so, we we had I was telling no, somebody ahead. earlier I said you have to also in this specific instance and not even specific because I face it every day at school as well you have to understand the history of black people being treated as boy and gal by white children during slavery during Jim Crow and how our foremothers and forefathers fought to just be seen not as adults by other adults by as adults who were not able to be owned by children. So to have a a non-black student continually calling you nigga like you are just a kid on the street, that's some triggering ass shit. When you a grown man. When you a grown ass man. man. And but I see it every day where where Latino students are taught to that, you know, they're taught at home, you don't have to respect black you don't have to respect black people. But when their parents come to back to school night, it's all about making sure that they respect you. But how can you say that? When you tell them not to respect black people, I'm a black person. Yeah. <laughs> and like, can I yeah. say as a parent, I was horrified at that. Yeah. Like, if that would have been Caleb, and Caleb would have caught that toothpaste piece from Mr. Jones because he looked like a Mr. Jones. <laughs> um, Caleb just got his ass beaten, banned with a clarinet. Like, I, I don't, because I'm, I'm not with that shit. And as a teacher, you gotta be. Like, I. You you get kids all the time that's eyeballing you, that's trying to square up on you. I tell you, I be honest, I uh, let loose on four students just on Friday, and like like let them have it because at the same sometimes that's the only way to let them know that I am not one of your friends. This is a space where you are supposed to respect adults, and it happens all the time. Y'all keep talking. I got to plug in the laptop. So they arrested him. Yeah, they arrested the teacher. They arrested the teacher? Yes. He's arrested. He's arrested. I mean, that's not surprising. But listen, so the fact that this is a Latino student 
I don't know. I, I tend to have less nuance when it's not black people involved. But uh, the thing that you were saying, Carolyn, about like parents need to, you know, you better be more whatever. I I agree with the 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 reality is is that there's not enough support for teachers in the classroom. Right. Um, and this is in all types of classrooms. And um. I mean, this is hard because, like, Carolyn and Courtney, you know that, like, my whole thing, I'm, I'm all about transformative child care when it comes to working, especially with Black children. But, I mean, with children, too, um, in general. Um, but I can definitely understand. I, that's why I was asking if the child was Black, because if the kid was Latino and he was calling the Black ch- uh, teacher nigga, then I mean I could definitely understand being triggered by something like that. So in that instance, I wouldn't. Um, I really wouldn't fault the teacher to be honest. If it was a black student, that that's kind of a different. Um, I think that would have been a different story. In my and, I mean, and I think that he did his best to try to like he did. calm himself down because he was like, "Yo, walk away." I'm like, I'm telling you, he walked <laughs> like, away yeah, because of walk away. No, no, no. Like, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Jones gave him ample enough time to just and I, yeah like, i'm trying to think like now this like he wasn't like a big old dude but this black man was stock yeah and this little miniature like that boy had to be 95 pounds soaking wet like this is what you feel comfortable doing you feel comfortable squaring up with a grown-ass black man who has probably a good 125 pounds on you like you're that yeah. You're that dedicated to... But you got to like, understand right the now. type of anti-blackness that a lot of these Latino students are working with, right? Like, they... I, I tell our administration all the time in regards to the relationship between Latino students and black students, but it's a little bit different when it comes to the relationship between Latino students and adults. Number one, when it comes to just student-on-student, student, they gain social currency in the school by the amount of hate that they spew towards black students. By the way that they make sure that students that, you know, they're trying to they're trying to gain social social currency and street career by squaring up on black students. When it comes to black adults, they want to also make sure that you understand that you are just another nigger and that they don't have to respect you either. And so him fighting the teacher was really about making sure that he knew that he did not give a fuck about him. I see that like unfortunately I see it every day, especially being a black woman lesbian teacher. Like I've had, to, I had to call out one student just point blank. Like it's clear you got a problem taking a, um, direction from black people, from women, and from gay people. And he looked at me first, like he was insulted that I called him out for being racist, sexist, and homophobic. Then he tried to to act like I was crazy for telling him that, and I told him that again in a separate instance. And he's had to work. I don't know. I wouldn't say that he's worked through it, but I can say that calling him out on his, you know, oppressive behavior change the behavior at least in my class i've heard that it hasn't changed in some other women's classes where he's being sexist towards them but they're working with a lot of anti-blackness they're working with a lot of sexism that nobody is un uh, is nobody is un helping them unlearn because they don't want to have the discussion about anti-blackness from latino students and we have to we absolutely have to so then i think my question is because i've only uh in this past like year and a half i worked in a almost exclusively black school but I when I first started uh I was in a school that was you know it was mainly white and some Latinos up in there blah 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 
none of the kids were really that violent, but um, there you definitely, I definitely had the microaggressions from the white kids and stuff that I had to deal with. And so I think my thing that I think about in this instance, because I'm always worried about white, teach, white teachers who teach our kids mm-hmm. and the fact that they should be anyway. Um, but I wonder what do we teach black teachers when it comes to teaching non-black students and um do we tell them because in my eyes who, you know who students them? usually act that way okay there you go it's the thing but uh students usually act that way when they don't have a relationship with you but then this just goes beyond not having a relationship there's some other things right and so like when or when does it become i guess not your responsibility to, you know, help them unlearn that behavior for a black teacher. Oh yeah, wait, mute that. Okay, good. Um, wait, what was the question again? I know she had to mute herself. When do you? When it's like it's no longer your. Yeah, responsibility. No, I'm saying. I, no, I was saying like, when does it? When is it the black teachers? When does it not become their responsibility to teach non-black students? Uh, how to unlearn their, you know, racist behavior. When your safety is because you're because you're because you're because you're the one that's dealing with them the most. And if obviously if it come if it's coming from home, you know, unless you want to deal with the parents and have that headache, which usually doesn't go well. Like, what do you do? I think that that particular question goes back to support from administration. Because mm-hmm. if this like I'll okay, be but then your administration is mostly white people, right? And well, in, in my case, the administration is mostly <laughs> Latino people, and it's really oh. it's where you're for you're forced to actually be the one, regardless. If you want to not have that behavior in your class, if you want to have it be a safe environment for both you and your students, there's no support for unlearning that. I mean, there's there. The truth is, most of our administration, whether they're white or Latino or whoever they are, that's non-black, they haven't unpacked it either. Yeah. So they can't be of support. They can't be they can't be the one that's doing it for or with the students, even though they should be, especially if they are Latino administrators. But they haven't impacted themselves. The only people that are right now doing it are the black teachers because they it's almost like with the students, you're doing it as your only form of defense. Right. And I'm thinking like when I was teaching, like whenever one of my white students said something, you know, that was racist or whatever like that. I didn't go to my principal because both the principal and the CEO or CAO, whatever she was, um, were white mm-hmm. and also like borderline like Republicans probably voted for Trump. I don't know. I wasn't at school at the time. <laughs> but um, so I was like, there's no way I'm going to go to them with this and expect them to, you know, deliver the outcome that I need. So clearly I need to fix it myself. So I don't know. I feel like if you're a black teacher in a school where you have non-black students doing that you have to form some type of coalition with the other black teachers yeah and at some point there has to be somebody in the administration who's going to have your back when it comes to that because it's because at that point it's not just about building relationships with the students it's about overcoming a cultural and uh intergenerational uh barrier it's not just you not knowing or not you know having something against one particular person Mm. that's interesting and I think what makes our situation our school truly unique or not necessarily I'm sure there's other schools that have it is that 
you have a situation where people don't there's they they really don't know how to balance supporting both African American students and teachers and a population that has such a high newcomer population. Because remember, unlearning anti-blackness is done, but a lot of that is done with our newcomer population. And they don't know how yeah. to, they don't know how to both support them as newcomers, but also tell them, hey, your ass is racist. And they really have not figured that mm-hmm. part out yet at all. Mm-hmm. That's a huge problem. And I think, it, you know, we see it a lot with our, dealing with our newcomers, but also our families that have been here for a fifth generation. Um, mm-hmm. because a lot of them are more ingrained in hip hop culture. They think they have a right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's weird. But I also, I think that has also a lot to do with, um, you know, like there's a lot of internalized, like racism amongst Latino communities because there are, you know, obviously black Latinos as well, mm-hmm. but you know, they have, yes. And they try their, every day to separate themselves from their blackness, which I think exactly. is hilarious. And so I think like, even though like they're newcomers, it's like they come with their own baggage of, of also depending on how fair they are. It's like, Oh, I'm white. And it's like, Oh, Oh, okay. But you're not. And also, like, there's uh, obviously still a stigma that's applied to people who are immigrants, even though, yes, you might have descended from Hispanic Spaniards, you're still not viewed as a white person to white Anglo-Saxon Western, uh, uh, we talk about Western European uh, descended folks. So it's like, y'all are trying to put your own personal shit onto us and it's like, we're already dealing with the shit from people who are from here. Mm-hmm. Now you riding up on here trying to hop on the, the anti-black bandwagon too? Yep. I don't know. Just watching that video as a, a teacher who fights with students every day and, you know, if they square up on me, I dare them. And nothing's going to happen. But what happens the day that it does? Right. You know, and you know, I, got I used to tell my kids that well, day, it's 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 no more Miss Willis. It's it's, it's you just dealing with Britney. <laughs> and that's what I was like, trying to tell my then, friend earlier. She was like, "Well, he wasn't even thinking about his livelihood at that point. You're not thinking about when you reach that emotional breaking point. You are no longer um thinking about your livelihood. No. You, oh yeah, no, no. You you, you thinking about every student that has disrespected you for that? How many years that you've been a teacher? Every time that you went to your administration and they've not supported mm-hmm. you, that's what your that's what that buildup is. Like it wasn't really at the end of the day about that particular that. student. It was about a buildup of everything that this man has dealt with as a teacher, as a professional, mm-hmm. and pouring himself out into these students. And this is what I'm getting back. Yep. And I think that, you know, I'm emotionally drained right now from that same thing. We don't, I think a lot of people who are not in education don't really understand what it's like to be in that classroom with 30 to 35 students. And maybe they're going to behave, or you have one class that behaves real well. And then, you know, you know, fourth period is coming and they are hell on wheels. And you are just like going on an emotional roller coaster. They not listening. Or you have one who just like takes over the class. You know, at this time, I'm pretty good about getting my class in in order. I'm sure there's going to come a day when it when it's not. Um, I have teachers around me who are going through that right now. And, you know, the walls are thin. You can hear stuff. I, I've had to pull students out of another teacher's class 
and go and they're not even my not in my class but to go off on them like y'all not gonna treat him like that you know you I, I, as a matter of fact when i let loose on my two students did to on friday i told them i said what you all need to learn because these are some of the girls who i've been talking about when we talk about black girls being criminalized i said in this instance no one is being racist towards you you are simply fucking up and getting caught and that's exactly what i told them I said, nobody, and I, I was telling my coworker, I said, we really need to have a seminar with our kids, and this goes with black and Latinos, but we deal specifically with African-American students, about what is racism. Because every time you get in trouble, it's not racism. Sometimes you just mm -hmm. being sloppy and getting caught by somebody who's not black. Like, and I told him, I said, these kids cut class and stand in the middle of the school. And then you get mad when the white administrator catches you. Your ass stood in the middle of sc in school because you wanted to be seen as being cut. You wanted to play this role at a big, bad black kid who don't care about school. You stood in the middle of the campus and now you got caught. Y'all are sloppy. This is not, that's not racism. Uh -oh. yep. You got to take personal accountability on what you do and what you bring to the table to create your own mess. Yeah. And we need a lot of parents to really understand about them, their kids taking personal responsibility. And that's hard for a lot of parents. That's hard for a lot of parents. All right, well, I don't get that. What was part as a parent? Like, you want your kids like sitting up there acting hella stupid? Yeah. Like, like what? What kind of stupid shit is that? Well, I think also it comes. We're, we're out. We always remind ourselves that of this generation of parents, right? This generation of parents are not necessarily. They're either the children of the crack generation. Or they are the generation behind. A lot of them are operating on what they didn't have as kids. And so they're, you know, they're buying kids stuff thinking that that's giving them what they didn't have as kids. But they're not necessarily dealing with them on behavior. On, you know, thinking school is important. There's a lot of issues that are coming along with this kind of generations of parenting. And we're seeing it in a way that a lot of our kids are, you know, playing out in institutions. Well, I mean, when you don't deal with your own childhood traumas, then you're not going to deal with how your child, how that trauma manifests in your child. Yeah, so, yep. mm -hmm. absolutely, it's a different type of generational curse. Yep, yep. Because I've had friends that are they're very proud. I'm I'm giving my kids what I didn't have. Okay, but you're buying them a hundred and fifty dollar outfits. But what I, as a teacher, need for you to do is just listen to that kid read every night. Hey, love. Even mm -hmm. if even if you don't hey, ain't love. paying attention to them, just make them sit there and read Joe's some shit to you. That's what I need from you that you didn't get as a child. Joe's taking a break. Right. So. All right. Well, that is actually our last item on the agenda for today. Um, I want to give a... Rest in peace and condolences. The music world lost a jazz giant just yesterday. Um, trumpeter Roy Hargrove died at the age of 39. Oh, wow. Roy Hargrove was like our generation's Miles Davis in a lot of ways. I mean, I remember seeing him at Yoshi's um, maybe about 10 years ago. And he was clearly high, but he played the shit out of that trumpet. I mean, he was playing with his <laughs> eyes closed. I knew his ass was high. Um, he... There's two incarnations of the Roy Hargrove um, band. He had the Roy Hargrove Quintet, which was a straight-ahead, amazing jazz band. He had the RH Factor, which was his jazz fusion band. And he also worked... He was also part of the Soul Aquarians crew. So when you listen to albums like D'Angelo's Voodoo, 
Tommen's Like Water for Chocolate, Erica Badu's Mama's Gun, and Bilal's Firstborn Second. He played on all of those. Those were all recorded, actually, in the same sessions, in the same studio, and he was with the crew that recorded those. So he was a giant. He died. I've heard that it might have been a heart attack. Um, so I just want to send a rest in peace out to him and a peaceful journey. And also, I, I got into it a little bit, but I was a little bit thrown in the last episode when Courtney left me. Um, to give a full-on rest in peace to, and I'm going to mess up her name so you guys correct me. Is it pronounced in Shaki Shang? How do you pronounce her name? You guys. No one knows. Well, I don't even know who that is. The author of For Colored Girls. Oh, yeah. I never read that book or seen the movie. I've never read the book in full. I've only read pieces of it, but it's the, it's an amazing work. And she actually passed away a couple of days before Halloween. So we want to give a rest in peace out to her as well. So, Lucy, where can the people find you out in the interwebs? Um, You can see everything that we're doing with our movement at uh, Be Phenomenal on Facebook and well, DJ Be Phenomenal on Facebook, DJ Be Phenomenal on Instagram. And then my non the nonprofit of our organization will be coming out, which is, is Phenomenal Girls Travel. So look. All right. You said Phenomenal Girls Travel. It cut out right there. Phenomenal Girls yes. Travel. Phenomenal Girls Travel. All right. Awesome. And B. Willis, where can the people find you in the interwebs? Always at Hey Miss Willis. All right. And Courtney, where can we find you and Caleb in the interwebs? You can find me on Instagram at underscore <laughs> Courtney underscore. You can find me on Twitter at short Courtney. Do not come and find me on Facebook. Um, <laughs> um, always. All right. And oh, go ahead. I don't know why you cutting out again. Oh, I'm not. I'm done. Okay. Tell All right. Say hi. Hi, Caleb. Hi. Are you? Did you get hi. over your your meltdown? Say no. I was having another one because my friend wants to go take a nap and relax, and he got all upset again. So. Oh my goodness! Did his friends come visit him for Halloween? With all oh, the uh the ghost partners. Uh it seems. I mean, he's been having dreams. He hasn't. Sl- um, did you see any ghosts on Halloween? Um, no. Didn't. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, no, was I supposed to? <laughs> oh my goodness! And you can find me on Instagram as the Nocturnal Project, and on Twitter as C Dub the Host, as well as on Facebook either as Dub Carolyn or as Carolyn R Weisinger. You can find the C-Dub Show across all social media platforms as the C-Dub Show. And also email us at the Show at gmail.com. If you are a, if you are or have been a black girl who was criminalized in the educational system, please email us. We are collecting stories and we are going to start recording um, these black girl criminalized stories. So go ahead and send those also to the C-Dub Show at gmail.com you can find the show oh well, yeah we need to get shows recorded too i'm sure you got some stories yeah <laughs> <school> situations 
Yes. They operate real funny in private. Oh, Lord. And remember, you can find the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and Acast. And as well as at SSNpodcast.com and thecdubshow.com. Make sure to go ahead and check out our interview with Kevin Powell if he talks about his current book as well as the book he's working on, which is the autobiography of Tupac. Go ahead and check it out and email us and let you let us know what you think. I want to once again thank Lucy for joining us today. We will definitely have you back for the trash edition of the C-Dub show. Yes. <laughs> the trash edition. We're just going to call it the yes. trash edition of the C-Dub show. So that is the end of today's episode. And we will see all y'all good folks later. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. C-Dub Show.